Good morning. Good to see you this morning. That's some nice Christmas music wrapped in the spirit. Can you believe it's December? My goodness. I know I'm old, but man, do you remember when you were a kid in like an elementary school and the summer seemed to last all year? And then the older you get, the more time just flies by. This has been a challenging year, a really good year, you know, for First City. Thank you for all your participation in the gospel. And so we're starting this series. It's a four-week-long series just to walk us through how can we make Jesus the reason for the season. And so we're calling the series Wrapped in the Spirit, which means that we just intentionally want to honor God in everything we do for the end of the year, all through the Christmas holidays. How many of you are staying in town? If you're staying in town, raise your hand. Oh, a bunch of you. How many of you are going out of town? Going out of town to see that uh, weird uncle and all those people that, and all that, you know. So God bless you if you're staying. If you're traveling, be safe. May God bless you through the holidays. And uh, as you represent God, as you represent Jesus in everything that you do. Now, you know, you'll hear a lot on the radio. You'll hear a lot, you know, in, in some advertisement, depending on what uh, radio station you listen to and, or what TV shows that you watch, that this is the Advent season. And, we, you know, sometimes people are asking, what does that mean? What does Advent mean? Well, ad- Advent just comes from this Latin word that means coming. And so it really is referring to the coming of Christ. Now, this Advent season... It really started 4th or 5th century, and, and the church, uh, with this Latin word coming, they, they used it as an introduction to uh, the, the season of regeneration, the, which really happened in January. And so, baptism was the symbol of rebirth and regeneration. And so, they began to tag it to the birth of Jesus. Jesus came into the world and he was born. It's a lot about John chapter 3. And, and so we want to celebrate his birth and we want to celebrate our rebirth. As we have a brand new year, regeneration, brand new start, it's a good time just to say, I want to start all over and I want to focus on the things of Christ. So in the 4th and 5th century, in December, they started celebrating the birth of Jesus. Now, oftentimes people asking, if you've been around church or going to church for a long time, uh, you probably already know, scholars, we don't know the exact day Jesus was born. They debate the seasons, and the shepherds were in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, probably more in April than in December. And yet, you know, uh, it really is unimportant to us the exact day Jesus was born. The season says we just want to celebrate the fact that he was, that the greatest gift God ever gave us was wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And uh, the birth of Jesus uh, into our world to point the way to God. And so it started being celebrated in the 4th and 5th century. In the 6th century, they really started celebrating also at this time the second coming of Christ. So the first coming and birth, the second coming of Jesus. This is for Christians. This is for all those. As you know, uh, in the Jewish world, uh, they do not believe necessarily that Jesus was the Messiah. And so they're still waiting for Christ. And so the one question that separates Christians from all those in Judaism is when they see Jesus come, they'll ask, is this the first or your second coming? 
And so for, for Christians, we celebrate Jesus as Messiah. And so 6th century, they started celebrating also the second coming. Fast forward to today. The Advent season lasts four weeks. And so over the next four Sundays, we're also going to be celebrating the Advent season. Two of the Sundays are to be talking about, and people will remember, and the second coming of Christ. I want to prepare. I want to do everything I can to have all of Jesus inside all of me so that when he comes back, he will receive me as one of his own. The other two weeks, saying thank you for the birth of Jesus and his first coming into the world that has really transformed our world. So that's the Advent season. So over the next four weeks, we're just going to talk about Jesus. And we want to make sure that in this holiday season, we don't get so caught up in all the consumerism and all the secular and all the spending, all that stuff. We want to make sure we stay focused on the things of Jesus. So that's why we've called this series Wrapped in the Spirit. And so what does that mean, Wrapped in the Spirit? And so we're, what we're really saying is the first step, the first thing we want to do, and it's not just this season, it's all year long. We want to make sure that the heart of God is reflected in me, in in you. Is that that what God wanted to give his life to, I want to give my life to. And you can wrap your life in all kinds of things. Let's just start with Ephesians 5.18. This just says, now listen, don't be drunk with wine, which is, you know, ruining people's lives. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and you can fill your life up with all kinds of things. You can fill your life up with stuff. You can fill your life up with relationships. You can fill your life up in work. Uh, you can fill your life up with money. You can fill your life up with, in wine. And, or you can fill your life up in all kinds of stuff. But he's like, choose God because he chose you. And so if you're going to wrap your life up in anything, get all wrapped up in the things of God. Now, boy, if we would win it there, we could win it everywhere. My first step is to be wrapped up in God. I want everything inside me to be running after everything of God. And if I can take that step well, then everything that I do, every word that I say, every action, every deed from my hands, every step of my foot, every thought of my mind, every action from my heart will be represented from the Holy Spirit, the things of God. Now, what is the heart of God? So I just gave you two verses today, just the heart of God. I love this one out of James chapter 1. And it says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So I just love that. God is a giver. And you have all these gifts. Everything you have is a gift from God. And he can't wait to give you more. And you might decorate a Christmas tree. But God has decorated the heavens. And he wants you to look up every every night is Christmas season. You want to see twinkling lights and you want to feel, you know, the spirit of God, not just in the Christmas season. Then just go spend time with God and look up into the heavens and he'll let his light shine. And it's just a reflection. I am with you. I am over you. I am watching. And everything you have is a gift. I'm giving to you, not just in this season, but all year long, all your life, everything you have, a gift from God. Now, I also love this passage in 2 Corinthians, just reflecting the heart of God. 
As the scriptures say, and this really comes uh, from uh, Psalm 112, really verse 9. And they share freely. They, talking about really Godhead, God, Jesus. Is that me, Trent? Do I need to do something? I'm just going to keep talking. You wave at me if I need to grab a microphone, okay? So, so, and they shared freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. And this is really just a statement about how God has given so freely and those that follow God reflect his heart. And so as God has given to us, we just freely want to give and generously help people who really need help. For God is the one who provides seed to the farmer and then bread to eat. Now, as you look at those two, it's like, it's like God has done everything for you from beginning to end. All the way from the very first, from, from the seed to the bread. The whole process, the first, your first step, your last step. God is over in charge of all of it, and he has given all of it to you. And then he continues. And in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources. God's going to give you more. He's not only given you enough to supply all of your needs according to his riches in in Christ Jesus, but he's going to increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Now, I want you to read that with me, just especially those last two words. He'll produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Now, I don't want that to pass you by because he didn't say he's going to produce the spirit of generosity for you. In other words, it's, it's not God's objective to fill your life up with stuff, but to turn you into a generous person like he is. God wants you to be generous. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. That's the Christmas spirit all year long. God is like, I've given you everything, the best of everything. I gave you the best spouse. I gave you the best city to live in. I gave you the best time in history to live. I gave you the best of everything. Now, what are you going to do with it? Because if we're not careful, consumerism just says, look, man, everything about me, all the social, all the economic, it's all about Me buying, consuming, hoarding, grabbing, acquisition of goods and services. Are are, are we sure that's what God intended? That our generosity should just be poured out on ourselves. And so he's like, man, the heart of God is this. He's going to make sure that you are taken care of. That all your needs are taken. If you love God and if you're called according to his purposes, he has promised you that you will have a roof over your head. You'll have food in your stomach and you'll have clothes to wear. It's a promise from God. And he says, if that's not enough, I'm going to take care of everything you need from seed to bread. And if that's not enough, I'm going to generously increase your resources so that you can produce this huge harvest of generosity for other people. I'm going to give you what you need and more. And you get to decide what you're going to do with the more. The heart of God says, I've given it to you to give away. And don't you know that people are going to be grateful? And in the end, they're going to come back and say, thank you. 
And then we reflect the heart of God. Wrapped in the spirit means it's not about me. Because that's one of the questions. Hey, what do you want for Christmas? <laughs> what do you want? You know, do y'all draw names? How many of you draw names in your families? Any of y'all draw names? Just a few of you? So we draw names, you know, and, it's, and that's just one of the questions. Hey, what do you want for Christmas? And so everybody's thinking. We ask our children, why do you want Santa to bring you this year? You know, and so we have to be intentional if we're going to be wrapped in the spirit of God to make sure that we reflect this giving spirit, not just on each other, not just on our families, but to those who really need it. So number two on your outline, it says that we want to spend less. Now, I want to show you a video. There's this uh, Advent conspiracy group. And conspiracy is a big word. And they're not trying to stamp out the Advent. They're not trying to remove Jesus from Christmas. The Advent conspiracy says that if we're not careful, we're going to let the world dictate how we approach this season. And so it really started, you know, with years ago, if you remember, uh, I was young. I mean, my goodness, I think this was in the uh, early 80s that... If you really wanted to get the best deals, then you went shopping the night before Christmas. Any of you remember that? That's where it really started. And we, Suzanne and I knew a family. They did all of their Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve because they got everything at half price. And, uh, and, and all, next to and they would buy, you know, if they had extra for stuff that they were going to give the next year. So... And it was, and then it went from Christmas Eve to the week of Christmas. All the best deals, and everybody, all, all the you know uh, businesses started competing, and they made it earlier and earlier. Till next thing you know, it's Black Friday. We have now it's a whole you know month before where it's Black Friday. And yes, if that weren't enough, we now have what Saturday? Is there Black Saturday? I know we have Black Thursday. We eat up Black Friday on Black Thursday. And what's on Saturday? Is there a title yet? Small business. So it's almost like everybody's competing for your dollars earlier and earlier and earlier and earlier. And if we're not careful, we're going to get so wrapped up in spending your money and getting the deals and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's, listen, have fun. Give gifts, spend, spend, spend. But it needs to all reflect that our first step was a step with God. Now, let me show you the video, and then we'll continue talking about.
So there you go. That's what the Advent conspiracy is about. And I love those four things. Now, the order that we're going to take them in, today we're going to start with, number two on your outline, spend less. Next week, we'll talk about give more. Who do we give to? How do we do this? So today, we're going to talk about how to create margin. And then next week, what should we do with the overflow of what God has given us? And then number three, love all. How can we love our community well? How can we go do stuff just for the name of Jesus in our community? And then on the week of uh, Christmas, on that Sunday before, worship fully. We're going to praise the name of God. We're going to remember the birth of Jesus. And we're just going to come in and celebrate and spend that morning uh, just worshiping God and telling him thank you for the gift of Jesus, the gift of life. And that we want to honor you and praise you. So spend less. Spend less. What does it mean, you know, to spend less? As you can see, it just consumerism has taken over, you know, the whole holiday season. It's almost like everything is measured by what you get, what you spend, how much. And and all of our products, it's like it's like everybody's like, in fact, Apple, I'm having a hard time with my phone because I don't have, you know, what's the latest version? A 10? The Apple phone? What's the... You can go ahead and say it. It's fine if you... you, 10, 12. Is there... Oh, yeah? I have have like a 6. My wife has a 4. And so if you have an Apple, you'll know that one of the strategies of... You know, Apple's a great product, all that kind of stuff. But one of their strategies is to make sure that things do not work as properly and that your battery dies sooner so that you'll go get an upgrade. And, and that really is a reflection of exactly what's going on. They make light bulbs that burn out within a certain amount of time so that you have to buy more. You know, clothes go out of style. And everybody's like, oh, you don't want well, that is so last summer or so last, you know, you know last month. And, and so it, everything is about, oh, boy, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I got to stay up to. I got to increase. I got to improve. I got to newest, biggest, better, all of that stuff. And so we can get so caught up in it that if we're, if we're not careful, as a nation, we turn so selfish. Is that happening in our nation? And we are to live differently. So spend less just really begins with this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one, love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I love really the King James Version that talked about mammon. Remember that? You cannot love God and mammon. Because mammon includes, includes a whole lot more than just money. It's You cannot love God and all your stuff. And, and, the accum- and, and the idea, the heart, because it's not just money, it's the love of money. And it's like, and it, well, once you start getting in the spirit of gathering and gathering and hoarding and keeping and building and mine, it's like you have completely missed the heart of God. And you're not able to do both. One will crowd out the other. And so he's like, you got to carve, you got to make sure that our highest priority are the things of God. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. And this is one, if you remember the, the, the parable of the sower and he sowed seed and it went among, you know, uh, four different types of ground. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. 
So no fruit is produced. Where the person can say, building a lot of fruit in my life. I have a lot of stuff. I got a bigger house, comfortable. Everything's all good for me. It's like, yeah, but that's not, God's like, that's not the kind of fruit I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of fruit that blesses other people, that nourishes others outside of you. And so he's like, the word of God goes out among all these different hearts. And he says, there are some hearts that it's still all about them. And, and, and the word of God will get choked out if our pursuit is the love of money and the accumulation of wealth. And so we don't, so the whole call of spending less is about, man, what can I do to really get outside myself, which leads us to point number three. Let's refuse to be wrapped up in greed. I want to be wrapped up in the spirit. I don't want to be wrapped up in the accumulation of stuff and the acquisition of just goods and services for me. So here are two verses of scripture, Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Very simple verse, very wise advice. Beware, it's all around you. You'll drive up and down your street and you'll see what your neighbors have. And you'll do this comparison thing. What do I have? What do they have? What do I have? What do they have? What do I have? What do I have? They got it all. I want a TV like that. I want a car like that. I want a house like that. I want a bank account like that. I want, I want, I want, I want. I want. He's like, just be careful with that. Be careful with it. Because that's not the measure of a good life. And, And remember when we started coming up with that expression, keeping up with the Joneses? And if your last name was Jones, you're like, hey, he's not talking about me like that. But just... The comparison, stop, man, it's just eating up our world. It's just, it's tearing us up. And so it's not about what we accumulate, it's what we give. And it's just the spirit and the reflection of giving. So he's like, be careful with that. Look at this verse out of the book of James. And James is like, man, I'm going to tell you, this is the end result. This is where it really gets bad. Because one day you're going to stand before God. Now, this is the brother of Jesus And he's like, one day you're going to stand before God. And I love the way that the message writes it because he says, one day God's going to take away all your stuff. You might still be alive. It might be after you pass away, but all your stuff is going to be gone. And this is what he says, chapter 5, verse 1. Look here, you rich people. Are, are are, Are we rich in America, just yes or no? So is he talking to me or is he talking to the two neighborhoods over? Okay, I just want to make sure that we understand he's really, he's really talking about us, all of us. Look here, you rich people. James doesn't mince, mince words, okay? Weep and groan with anguish because of the terrible troubles ahead of you. The message records it like this. You'll need buckets. You'll need buckets to hold all the tears you're going to cry when God removes your stuff. Because you've crowded him out. And he wants to be priority in your life. And if that's what it takes to save you, he's going to remove all your stuff. And the message says, you'll need buckets to hold all the tears you're going to cry because of how much you depend on your stuff. He continues, your wealth is rotting away. 
Your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. And so he's talking to these people. Now remember, James's audience were people who were fantastic at giving everything away. So he's probably talking as much in the community as he was just with the people at that small little church where James was in Jerusalem. But he's like, I'm telling you, if all you do is gather and hoard and gather and hoard and gather and hoard, one day you'll stand before God and you'll have to give an account of why you, why you live like that. And it's not going to be good. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of the heaven's armies. You have spent your years in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. There are people who need even the crumbs that fall from your table. He said, but listen, God's going to take care of the people who needed the crumbs. But it's going to be very difficult for you who hoard. If all, if all we do is just make sure that our life is richer, bigger, better, instead of giving and reflecting the heart of God, he's like, that is not at all what God is looking for. And then finally, value others more than yourselves. Value others more than yourselves. It's just a simple verse. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Be humble. Think of other people more than yourself. So now let's just look at the numbers. Over the uh, Thanksgiving weekend this year, on Black Thursday, 45 million consumers went out and purchased goods in America. On Black Friday, 60 million people went out and uh, bought and, and, uh, and consumed goods. And we in America, just in those two days, spent $57 billion this year. In America, the 45 and the 60 billion on those two days, we spent you know, over $57 billion dollars. On, on that Thanksgiving weekend, just those two days. Now, they estimate that there's one billion people living in our world today that do not have access to clean water. And they estimate, and, and because of how many wells are being dug, and that, that we can provide clean water for $25 a person in our world. Now, if there's, it, it doesn't, it's not hard to do this math. If there's 1 billion who do not have access to clean water, 
and we could provide it for all the people in the world who need access to clean water for $25 a person, and there's a billion people, then we could have provided clean water for everyone all over the world twice just on what we spent for ourselves over Thanksgiving weekend. Now, this is not about really feeling guilty, but it is about this. What do you think is the heart of God? And what do you think would, you know what I'm saying? I mean, just what would please God? And so... For, for those numbers, all, we're, all I'm really saying is, look, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to have fun. I, I want you to give gifts and, and give them away. Man, I, I just love that. When I, when I was young, Suzanne and I were young, for, for so long we weren't able to give. We didn't have any money. I started a painting contractor, and, and, and God blessed me with some business. And I had some real big business in October and November. And I had this windfall because I finished this huge packaging plant. And so, for me, that was a lot of money. And I said, we're going to go buy Christmas gifts for everybody. And we're going to put it on a credit card. And then next month, I'm going to pay the credit card off. (laughs) Oh, see, you're way ahead of me. I thought that was a brilliant plan. It was not a brilliant plan. And we went and we got gifts for everybody. And we're just, and we filled that credit card up that we paid off 40 years later. I love the, I love those commercials, you know, where, uh, who is it that does that commercial that where they say, you know, oh man, tonight was a wonderful meal and it'll only cost me $723 once I finish paying my credit card off. Right. And it's like, wow, I wonder how much that stuff really did cost us. Because back then those days, remember like even then the housing market, the interest rates were 16, 17%. So it was like, oh, that's awful. That was an awful decision. And we thought the best way we could show our love for everybody was to give them a gift. I do believe the best way to show your love is to give. You know, but it didn't mean that we had to just go in that kind of debt to prove that we loved people and just buy a bunch of stuff. And so, I, what, you know, what I want is I want you to have fun. But I want you to remember that for, for this season, my first challenge is, what if we all just bought one present less for everybody? What if we all just, just said, okay, this year, instead of spending this much, we're just going to spend this much. And we're going to give away this much. What, what would that do? So I just wrote down three additional tips that, you know, that we just, and this, this three additional tips is stop unnecessary shopping. You know, sit down, have a conversation, an intentional conversation, and just say, you know, there's, there's some things that we really want to do to say thank you to some people and blah, blah, blah. But I want to stop all unnecessary shopping. Number two, I, this is one, pay with cash only. Now, if I had to do that, it would greatly limit what I purchase because I never carry cash on me. I would have to be a very intentional about going to the bank and taking out some cash and doing something. And I tell you, I hate it. I don't ever want to do that. And so if I made that one decision, it would keep me from that emotional shopping. It would keep me from going and getting a credit card. Boy, if I can just get that credit card, we can have us a great Christmas and I'll pay it off. I'll be disciplined enough. I'm, I, I'm always generous with stuff I don't have. But I tend to, 
to be too stingy with what I have. So, just that's one. And here's alone. Keep a daily and weekly spending record. Now, I don't know how you do it in your family. Uh, our family made a decision long ago. I think it was probably ten years ago that we get we noticed that. We were, you know, spending way too much money. I'd buy something for my mom, and I'd buy something for my dad, and I'd buy something for my wife, and we'd get stuff for our children, and some for Suzanne's sister and brothers, and my sister and brother. Next thing you know, oh, my stars, we're spending way too much money. And, and as a family, we sat down as a family, and we said, this isn't working for any of us. There were some in our families who have, you know, God is really, really blessed, and they could easily afford gifts for everybody. There were some of us who could not. And so as a family, we made a decision. We're going to draw names, and we're only giving one gift. So my family, every year, I get one gift for Christmas. We just draw names. And now listen, my kids are grown. When our kids were small, we made sure that they had good Christmases, but Suzanne and I wouldn't buy for each other. What we did instead is we had game night. We would, we would every year we get a different game, and, and so on Christmas from lunchtime on, we will we'll play games as a family, just spend time laughing at each other. <laughs> That's really what we do. And so, so we have a limit on the amount that we spend, and so uh, this year I've drawn my son's name, and so I'm going to be buying for my son. And Suzanne buys for me. That is so good because she's fantastic at shopping. And so... And so, but, but that's it. And we decided as a family that we would rather take that extra that we would have spent to buy each other something. And we either want to sponsor a family who, like this year, uh, Hurricane Michael, they're displaced families and they have no way for Christmas. We've decided that we want to do something like that instead. Now, I don't know what you'll decide as a family. I was talking to a different family this morning and the guy said... Hey, you know what we decided to do is everybody gets one stocking. And, and, and that's all you do. You fill up somebody's stocking. And if it doesn't fit in that stocking, then they don't get it. And I said, whew, do they make a stocking big enough for a big screen TV? Do they? Because that would be awesome, wouldn't it? So they just fill up a stocking. I don't know what you'll do. But do, some, do something. Make a decision this year. It's not going to be as much about us this year. We're intentionally going to spend less and give each other permission to do that. And then let's go reflect the heart of God in some way. We'll talk about that more next week. So why don't we just pray this up before God and just ask him to bless us as we just make an intentional decision that we want to reflect the heart of God this year. And it's not by what we're going to spend on each other. We really want God to develop in us this generosity spirit so that we can share with others. Man, I hope God blesses you this year. I hope you reflect the heart of God in everything. Lord God, we just want to be your sons and daughters. We want you to look down on us and be proud of what we do with our money. We want our hearts to reflect you and your glory. There are those among us who will not have a Christmas if somebody else is not generous. There are those in our community 
All they want is a, a peaceful night's sleep. A pair of shoes to wear to work. I pray that we can hear the cry of those who are in need. I pray that we honor you with our wealth. So that you can trust us with more that we will give away. Thank you for loving us so well. Bless us as we reflect your love, your heart this season. Jesus name. Amen. If you'll go ahead and go to the back if you're serving communion we're going to honor Jesus in this moment thank him for his death, burial and resurrection we're going to celebrate it in the taking of this communion and the passing of these two simple emblems of unleavened bread and fruit of the vine they're going to come in the shape of a cracker and a little cup of juice. As you eat and drink, tell Jesus thank you for all he's done for you and then reflect his heart as you now eat and drink and share in his glory. God bless us right now as we eat and drink in celebration of you. And then as we leave and give back into these orange baskets and just give, Lord God, thank you for your generosity. In Jesus' name.